As I got another rhyme, another rhythm for y'all to listen. I'm never quitting on my mission. I'ma roll with what I'm giving. Got some ambition, this new edition, filling positions. Looking at devoiding myself and feeling what's missing. Better watch the way you're going. Better go in the right direction. In the moment you stressing, but you gon' be counting blessings. And I know that for certain. Keep on working, open curtains, haters swerving, cause they ain't ready for your final version. Whoa. I'm never gon' give up, give up. You're listening down, to the Tom Show on WNHHLP 103.5 FM. Your home for Community Radio. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, and good morning, Harry, to you, and good morning to, to Laura Slifer. It's it's uh, Laura. My last name is although it's just two syllables like yours is, has always been mutilated. So is it Slifer or Sleifer? It's Schleifer. Schleifer. Good, and good. yes, it's often mutilated, but as long as nobody calls me Laura Schlesinger, I'm all good. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's, there's, we all have devilment in us. Some of, some of it is more on our sleeve than others. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it's, it's really, really good to see you uh, on air. Uh, the, to show today, uh, Laura's been kind enough to kind of not even recruit me, but just to enter my consciousness earlier this week about a really fascinating and historic event for New Haven. That's taking place tomorrow at the uh, Dixwell Community House on Dixwell Avenue. And uh, a gentleman by the name of Callie Akuno, A-K-U-N-O, is going to receive the Gandhi Peace Award, 2023 Gandhi Peace, Peace Award, presented by the uh, Promoting Enduring Peace Organization, which I believe, Laura, has been around since the early 1950s. Yes, it's been around since 1952, and we've been giving the Gandhi Peace Award since 1960, so yeah, a long time. And and Laura is the program chair, so she's been kind enough to spare some time with me this morning, because again, I know she's, her and her crew are kind of running around and working on the logistics and the plans and just uh, making sure everything runs smoothly tomorrow at two o'clock at the Q House. And I mentioned when when Laura kind of reached out to me earlier this week, I mentioned if just one more person comes tomorrow, uh, because of this show, you know, airing just the day before, that's a success for me. It's it, every one one person at a time. Uh, Laura, good good to see you. Uh, and and you're calling you're 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 in Portland. Where where are you located on the planet at the moment? Yeah. Um. So I am in Portland, Connecticut. Um. As we say, unceded Wangunk territory. Um. And uh, yeah. So. Okay, pretty excellent. local to New Haven. <laughs> excellent, and just, just glad to have you on the show. Let's jump. Let's jump right in. Let's let's talk about the, the event taking place tomorrow at two o'clock. Kelly's uh, coming, and and you've been kind enough in terms of your Facebook page to kind of mention the 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 the, the media exposure uh, that that Kelly's been able to garner, and not just media exposure, but because sometimes sensationalism uh, captures the media attention. But really, this the the substantive uh, media support and his his being on on uh, Democracy Now show and his and the YouTube links. This is a folks. This is a we're blessed in New Haven to have this gentleman come. We're blessed to have the Enduring Peace Organization uh, here in New Haven under you know Stanley Heller currently is part of the leadership as well as others. And, and Laura now is the program chair. So Laura, kick us off. Tomorrow is important. Tell us why. Tell us why we need to be there. And let's kind of. And we'll just take the next 55 or so minutes kind of just share uh, why we need to give peace a chance. Let's give peace a chance. Right. Uh, well, yeah, it's a very important um, award recipient this year. Um, and I personally feel that in some ways this really could signal um, a new direction for 
for our organization, for the peace movement in general, you know, if they mm-hmm. want to go that way. Um, and really for the left more broadly, for social justice movements, I mean, for, for the climate justice movement, you know, there's so many different elements to what Kali Akuno and Cooperation Jackson are doing um, mm-hmm. that are really uh, quite radical and revolutionary. And I guess I want to start by talking about the concept of enduring peace, right? Sure, because that is sure. our organization is promoting enduring peace. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I think this is really kind of like um, signaling a big shift away from this idea of number one, you know, just sort of like uh, this approach of um, incremental uh, change or, you know, addressing each issue individually as it arises, you know, protest this, protest that, um, you know, and and looking at these issues in a more foundational way. And so, you know, when you're talking about enduring peace, you're not, there is, a, there's that saying, right, no justice, no peace, which I think is very significant here, because it's saying, you know, if you don't have that foundation of social justice, then you're never going to have peace because Mm -hmm. there are always going to be, um, you know, people above who are trying to grab more power and uh, more resource hoarding. And, you know, so there's going to be more imperialism and more colonialism and and more invasions and more war. And then, of course, you're also going to have people on the bottom who are, um, you know, they can't live in a state of peace because they are living in a state of deprivation. And so they're going to be fighting back. So you're never going to have peace if you don't have real justice. So mm-hmm. Cooperation Jackson um, and Kali Akuno, so Kali Akuno is one of the co-founders of Cooperation Jackson. And um, you could say in some ways that Cooperation Jackson is the culmination of a long legacy of um, Black people in uh, the U.S. South really trying to build autonomy and um, escape the control of the white supremacist, capitalist, colonialist system. Mm -hmm. And a really big part of that has always been this issue of land reclamation. uh, Because if they don't have land, um, then they can't provide for their basic needs. And they are always going to be uh, beholden to the white supremacist capitalist colonial system. Um, And of course, we're talking about uh, people who have a long legacy of being displaced from their original land, and then of course, enslaved on this land. So uh, that's really been a big focus for Cooperation Jackson. And it kind of is uh, an outgrowth, you could say, in some ways, I would say, of the new African movement that Mm -hmm. happened in the 1970s and that actually um, established as its capital originally um, right outside of Jackson, Mississippi, but was crushed by the FBI um, because they saw that as secessionist and threatening, again, to the current system. So, you know, this has been a really long process in the making, um, but Cooperation Jackson itself was established in 2013. And um, so one of the main ideas, again, was this idea of land reclamation, of buying up um, large, as as much land as possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so they, and, and, and then having that land for the community. So protecting it from gentrification, from real estate speculation, 
you know, from um, basically the, the, the colonizers coming in and, and retaking that land and displacing people off it, um, which, you know, in this day and age uh, takes place through real estate speculation and gentrification. So they have been, um, they've, they've established a community land trust uh, named after Fannie Lou Hamer, who mm -hmm. of course was a black civil rights activist with a long history in Mississippi. And um, they've been buying up this land and uh, repurposing it. So buying up the abandoned, you know, the vacant lots and um, the old uh, crumbling homes and all this sort of stuff. And um, then turning that into land that is avail made available to the community. So uh, creating the affordable housing on that and creating uh, the farms for the community, the, um, the community gardens and yes. creating uh, maker spaces where the community can produce their own goods and creating, you know, all of these things for the community, uh, playgrounds and parks for children. And, you know, some of this is stuff that they've already done and some of it is uh, stuff that they have plans for in the future, but it's really to, um, address these issues, these social inequalities, these economic inequalities. And um, then, of course, the climate issue, which is a mm -hmm. huge part of what promoting enduring peace uh, does, because our whole mission as an organization is peace on Earth and also peace with Earth. Mm -hmm. And our dual mission is to foster peace and also um, ecological regeneration. So that's been a huge issue um, that Cooperation Jackson has been working on as well is what to do about the climate crisis. And of course, uh, Mississippi and specifically Jackson are very vulnerable to the climate crisis. Um, the whole Southern part of the US and the world at large, the global South mm -hmm. is extra vulnerable to the climate crisis. And of course, the great irony in that is that uh, the global South is the least responsible for the climate crisis. They are mm. the victims of the climate crisis and not the uh, causers of the climate crisis. Mm -hmm. So um, so Co Cooperation Jackson has been doing a lot to address that issue as well, um, and specifically in a climate justice context. So, for example, uh, things like buying up land, not just in Mississippi, but also now in Vermont, mm. so that anybody who is in a situation where they need to become a climate refugee because their location has become so unlivable can relocate to Vermont. Um, and things like working with high school students through uh, their Regeneration Corps, which is teaching high school students about agroecology and uh, climate issues and um, how that relates to racial injustice. Um, so there's a lot of different things that they're doing and then they're also addressing things on the economic level. They've got basically uh, what would be kind of called a, like a Jacksonian Green New Deal mm -hmm, <laughs> going. Mm -hmm. um, and so what they've done is they've really created a whole system of workers cooperatives. So these are collectively owned, collectively controlled, democratically organized workers co-ops. So no hierarchy, no, you know, there's the owner and then there's the boss and the managers and then the workers underneath. Um, but the workers themselves own and run um, the enterprises. Good. And uh, that's, you know, how they're getting that work done to 
produce all of these things that the community needs. And there are well-paid jobs. And, um, you know, so it's, it's they're really addressing a lot of different issues on these very fundamental levels. What do people need? They need mm-hmm. food. They need jobs. They need housing. They need a safe climate. They need, you know, all of these things that people really need. Um, that's that fundamental root level that they are working on to address these issues. And the fantastic thing about it is that they're not just looking at implementing these ideas in Jackson, but they're really looking at, they're building uh, what they call the Jackson Cush plan. And that's an idea for this model to then Mm -hmm. be replicated throughout the U.S. South and eventually beyond that to the rest of the country and even the rest of the world and um, build that autonomy that way so that the communities can actually especially the marginalized communities, the ones Mm -hmm. that are abused and neglected by the overarching systems of power and control. Those communities are taking matters into their own hands and saying, well, you know, we can, we can do these things ourselves. We can run our own system and provide for our own basic needs with the resources that we have both within our community, the talents, the skills, the resources that we collectively pull together and also through a solidarity network where if we don't have what we need, we can call upon other communities in other parts of the state, the nation, the world, and they can then send what we need and vice versa. And in doing that, really build autonomy and a new system that is collectively run and organized to replace this old hierarchical capitalist system. You're listening to the Tom Ficklin Show, and I'm having the pleasure of chatting with Laura Schleifer, and uh, she's the program chair for the Promoting Enduring Peace organization that started here in New Haven in 1952. But tomorrow, urging everyone to come out 2 p.m. at the Dixwell Q House, Callie Acuno, who you just heard uh, Laura really just so cogently and detailed uh, share his vision, and not only his vision, but the but, but the manifestation of, of Callie and, and, his, and his colleagues. Uh, Kelly's going to receive the Gandhi Peace Award, two o'clock at the Q House. Uh, you know, Laura, when you mentioned F- Fannie Lou Hamer, uh, I, 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 I love anybody that, that mentions Fannie Lou Hamer's name, regardless of the context. As you know, on Facebook, you have that where you can put your political party and your school and your education. For maybe uh, uh, 10 years at, uh, under political party, I put M- Miss- Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party as my political party. Just to remind people that, you know, the, the, of Fannie Lou, not mm-hmm. to mention her other uh, uh, achievements and her beatings, et cetera. So I just love when people mention, mention, mention her name. Um, talk to me, Laura, about program chair. What does that mean? Is, is tomorrow a one-off? I love the fact that you mentioned the, the sustainability and, and, prob- and the uh, uh, spreading through the globe of this, this initiative. But, but talk to me about other, other events that, that promoting Enduring Peace might be involved with or how people can get involved if they can't make it tomorrow. Just like, give me a little bit a little bit more context. Yeah, so um, Promoting Enduring Peace is a very wide-ranging um, organization. And I think that's one of the things that's really interesting about it is that it does take a quite different approach to um, building peace and resisting um, the forces of oppression, war, imperialism, uh, you know, climate change. But they, 
again, they kind of look at things more on this foundational level of how can we support uh, grassroots efforts. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about, you know, the history of the organization is that it was actually founded um, in the immediate uh, after, well, of course, 1952, right? So the early stages of the Cold War. Mm-hmm. And the idea behind it was, um, well, you know, we don't, we want to form solidarity with Russian peace activists. We don't like this idea of there being this, um, you know, idea of the Russians as the enemy. And we want to find ways to communicate with them and uh, work again on the grassroots level from below, finding solutions from below, not above. So, you know, the powers that be, they're going to do their thing. Um, but, you know, we want to communicate with the so-called enemy nation uh, peace activists and find solutions on that level. And, um, you know, it was kind of funny because uh, one of the things that they were known for at the time was um, they would organize these uh, river trips um, or these these like long boat rides for like a week. And they said, well, you know, we would do that because um, we'd put the U.S. peace activists and the Russian peace activists on the boat. But if they were um, disagreeing about things, they couldn't just leave. They mm-hmm. had to work through their problems. Good, they were good, stuck good. in the middle of the water, which I thought good. was brilliant. Um, so, you know, as program chair, I very much want to, um, you know, really kind of like continue that legacy, number one, of uh, kind of working through conflicts mm-hmm. and, you um, you know, coming through to some sort some sort of realization of um, common ground or, you know, just really kind of distilling it down to the human and ecological uh, elements. And um, so some of the things that, you know, I actually just started as program chair really only a year ago. So right. I am very, very new with a very old organization. Yes. Um, But I will say that uh, some of the things that we've been working on so far in the time that I've been working with uh, promoting Enduring Peace, um, so we actually, uh, number one, um, I also, okay, so I co-founded an organization in Gaza, Mm -hmm. uh, which is called Plant the Land Team. And um, that is an organization, um, again, about building a communal uh, food sovereignty and uh, community organizing on the grassroots level of local Gazans, um, where they are, uh, it's called plant the land team because they plant their own food. Mm-hmm. And that's a big thing in Gaza, because of course, there are the sanctions on Gaza, where they uh, prevent the Israelis are um, preventing Gazans from being able to import or export anything, including food. Yes. So, uh, so Promoting Enduring Peace has been involved in um, supporting fundraisers for uh, Plant the Land team to be able to plant and distribute food. I will mention also that um, it's vegan food. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's been something that Promoting Enduring Peace has been uh, kind of looking into because, of course, number one, if you want to talk about violence in the world, uh, we do have to look at the the violence that we do to other species. Mm-hmm. And also... Um, the climate issue, because uh, plant-based food is much more um, ecologically friendly and less uh, climate harming than producing animal-based foods. 
So um, another thing that they've done that's kind of along those lines is they had uh, the most recent Schaefer lecturer, which mm-hmm. was Christopher Sebastian McJetters, and he is a um, black radical vegan. And he looks at the intersection between uh, issues of oppression of non-human animals and then um, animalization being used as a form of racial subjugation and how those relate those interrelate with white supremacy. And so he actually gave a, a lecture on that. Um, and we also have some upcoming events uh, that oh, sure. are. Jesus. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. 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 Uh, So some of the upcoming events that we have, um, one of them is a webinar that is going to be on um, the Stop Cop City movement. Mm -hmm. And that is um, really important for everyone to know about what's going on in Atlanta, Georgia right now with this, which is that um, there is a proposed construction of a what they what they're calling the activists are calling cop city which is basically a big police training camp and it's going to be a very militarized police training camp mm-hmm. um so they're actually this is you know even more militarization of the police this has been ongoing really since the uh start of the war of terror um is this militarization of the police where uh all of the military um, you know, the weapons and the um, LRADs and sound cannons and tanks in some cases, you know, a lot of this stuff that is being used in these U.S. imperialist wars abroad, uh, once the military is done with them, then they give it to the police. Mm-hmm. And the police are also being trained by the Israeli police in these brutal uh, tactics of how to suppress colonized populations, which, of course, in um Israeli-occupied Palestine is the Palestinians, and in what I would call the U.S.-occupied Turtle Island, aka Mm -hmm. the U.S., is the Black and Indigenous and Latinx populations. Um, So this is a a training camp that they want to build in Atlanta, and the plans to build this police training camp actually came out of the um, George Floyd Black Lives Matter protests, because Mm -hmm. basically the uh, businesses, the business community in Atlanta, um, the corporate business community uh, started to feel very threatened by Mm -hmm. uh, these um, uprisings of black and other marginalized and oppressed people saying, we are not going to accept being treated in this way anymore. And so they said, well, we have to clamp down on these people. We have to stop them from pushing back. And so so they said, well, we're going to bulldoze this uh, forest, which is actually, uh, number one, a major biodiversity site. Um, So there's an environmental issue at stake here. And number two, sacred indigenous land. And Mm -hmm. that's called Wilani Forest. So what you have is, um, now when I say that this is the business community behind this, I mean this really literally, because um, it's actually corporations like uh, Delta Airlines, Home Depot, uh, Wells Fargo, Waffle House, um, you know, these are just some of the corporations that are actually privately funding this uh, proposed cops, Stop Cop City plan. So they've pushed the city to allow them to do this. Uh-huh. Well, folks, uh, 
participate in the webinar, should they go to your website? I mean, it's so exciting what you've just mentioned. Thank you. Yeah, we are going to be announcing the details of the webinar um, very soon after the event on Saturday. And I should mention that Kali Akuno has also been very involved in the Stop Cop City um, movement. And uh, so what's going on now is that, um, you know, you have these protesters that are basically camping out in the forest trying mm -hmm. to uh, prevent this monstrosity from being constructed. And um, police have gone, they've opened fire. They've opened fire on the protesters. They killed a protester um, who went by the name of Tortuguita, um, young um, indigenous Latinx uh, protester, non-binary protester. And um, they claimed that Tortuguita fired first. Mm -hmm. And uh, then that came out that that was completely fabricated. And um, they've arrested many, many other protesters. And they actually are now threatening protesters with 20 years imprisonment just for passing out flyers about what is going on mm -hmm. um, in this forest. So it is just an outrageous situation on every level. And um, it's really, uh, yeah, it's very important that everyone knows about this. And, you know, of course, the plan is that they're going to build this in Atlanta, and then they're going to try and replicate this all over the U.S., mm -hmm. in cities all over the country. So, you know, it's kind of like uh, just as Cooperation Jackson is trying to build a liberatory model for replication, then you have the oppressive powers that are trying to build an oppressive model for replication. And Laura, we'll post what website, website again so people can kind of follow you and sustain and contribute and donate, et cetera. Right. Yes. So the website is um, PE Peace. So that's PE, of course, for promoting enduring, and then peace.org. Um, we also have a landing page where we are listing um, upcoming events, and that is peace events.pepeace.org. And um, I'll just quickly mention also a couple of other uh, upcoming events. Please, please, please. Yeah. So um, these are very much just in the early stages. You know, we um, we haven't organized these yet, but just some some things that we've been talking about doing in the future. Uh, one of them is um, an actual uh, webinar with the contributors of a new book that Kali Akuno just co-edited, which is called Jackson Rising Redux. So Jackson Rising was a book that Kali um, co-wrote, and uh, this is a second book um, that has just come out recently, and this one is an anthology with many different contributors, um, all writing about uh, these um, experiments with this sort of um, cooperation Jackson model in mm -hmm. other parts of the world. And so they are... Um, they're all writing from their unique perspective. So what we're thinking is that we're going to reach out to some of the contributors and do a webinar where they speak about Tre their unique experiences in that in that arena. Tremendous, tremendous. And Thank and for folks and folks can can hear directly from Kali tomorrow at two o'clock at the Dixwell Q House. Uh, Laura, what do you think? Um, what do you think Kali is going to challenge us, or even more importantly, or just as importantly, ask us to do here in New Haven? 
I know you may not have seen his script or his what he's going to present. And he's That's a really good question. <laughs> but 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 it's 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 by the way, it's a free event tomorrow. Is that correct? Yes, it is free. And we also are going to be offering free um, vegan baked goods as well. So, yeah, we, we want to make this as accessible uh, to everyone as possible. And, and so what, what do you think he's going to ask us or what do you think he, he should ask us, those that are attending tomorrow or those that will listen to the show? Because the show will be widely disseminated to people even beyond Saturday. Uh, what might be the ask, not necessarily the takeaway, but the challenge or the request from Khalid to, to all of us anywhere on the planet? That's a really great question. Um, so I'll start by saying that I have absolutely no idea what he's going to be saying tomorrow. Indeed. I can only uh, venture a guess. But I would say that he is probably, um, number one, I would say he's going to probably say something about divesting from the idea of um, those in power kind of um, being the ones that are going to solve the problems that they create. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's mm -hmm. probably going to say something along those lines, because I have heard him say that before. And it's a really important point to drive home, because a lot of people are still invested in that idea, even if they think they're not. Indeed. Um, so he's probably going to say something like that. Um, he might that you know, and, and talk about really kind of like communities, um, empowering themselves mm -hmm. to take matters into their own hands. Um, and if you're in a, a marginalized community, um, you know, that's something that he's going to be encouraging marginalized communities and, and to say, you know, you can do this because we've done it yes. and, um, you know, it is doable. And if you are from a more uh, privileged community, then he might say something to the extent of how can you uh, channel resources that you have mm -hmm to marginal, marginalized communities who need them. Mm -hmm. um, so we might say something along those lines. Um, he might say something um, about community land trusts, which mm -hmm. are a really um, great way to access land if you yes. don't have it. And it's something that most people don't know about. Mm -hmm. So that's really a big part of this movement is um, kind of becoming aware of these resources that are available but hidden. Mm. Um, he he might say something about that. He might say something about uh, kind of gathering your neighbors and talking to them about well, what is it that we need in this community, and um, you know what do we have collectively that we can put together yes. to solve these problems yes. uh, because that's a really, really big part of this cooperation Jackson model is, mm -hmm. um, you know, this idea of stronger together, you know, no, we're not going to solve these things individually, but um, collectively we have a lot, you know, at our disposal, even if, it, even if it's a poor and marginalized community. I mean, Jackson is one of the poorest cities in the U S and yet, you know, um, the, the People in that community, they'll say things like, yeah, you know, we don't have money, but guess what? We have amazing talent and skills and knowledge. And so we can do a lot without money. Yeah. In two o'clock tomorrow, the Q House on Dixwell Avenue, uh, Kali Akuna will be there. Uh, it's free. He's going to receive the Gandhi Peace Award uh, 2023. Uh, uh, Laura, share with us a little bit. I mean, I was 
when, when Amy Goodman was here several years ago, she was an award winner, I believe. She, you, mm -hmm. you honored her. But I saw Amy. Uh, but when I looked at the other the other people, I mean, this is not a, a token's a bad word, but this is this is not a low a low life award in terms of people that have accepted and that you've nominated. So tease us a little bit with some of the predecessors, your your previous award recipients. Yeah, some amazing people have won this award for mm -hmm. sure. Um, so of course we can start with people like well, the very first award recipient was Eleanor Roosevelt. That was mm -hmm. way back in 1952. Mm. Um, Martin Luther King Jr. Mm. was awarded the Gandhi Peace Award and never got to um, accept the award because he was actually assassinated before mm -hmm. the mm. ceremony happened. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of like, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I would say out of everything, that's kind of, you know, really... Um, one of the most important things to know about the history of this award. Mm -hmm. um, Cesar mm -hmm. Chavez mm -hmm. was a recipient of this award. Um, and uh, Daniel Ellsberg for the Pentagon Papers, he mm -hmm. received this award. Uh, Ralph Nader received this award. Um, some recent people that um, I personally find very inspiring. Um, so Kathy Kelly from... Voices for Creative Nonviolence. I actually have a history of activism with Kathy Kelly mm -hmm. uh, because she was very involved in sending um, witnesses, delegations of witnesses to Iraq uh, during the period when the U.S. was putting these murderous sanctions on Iraq. So that was after the 1991 Gulf War and before the 2003 uh, U.S. invasion of Iraq under um, Bush the mm second. -hmm. And so during that period, you know, not many people know about that. Um, the U.S. sanctions um, essentially starved 1.5 million Iraqis to death, uh, including 600,000 children. And so Kathy Kelly was sending um, groups of U.S citizens to go and see what our government was doing to Iraq. And this was illegal to send people mm. at that time. And she mm. actually at one point faced a 20 year prison sentence for doing that. Uh, so um, I wanted to um, go on one of those uh, delegations. Um, and, you know, by the time I was ready to do something like that, um, you know, it was after the uh, 2003 invasion, but um, I actually spent 11 days with Kathy Kelly um, in the immediate aftermath of September 11th on a walk for peace against the U.S. bombing of Afghanistan from Washington, D.C. to New York. And mm -hmm. that was actually led by family members of people who had been killed um, on September 11th in the um, attacks on the World Trade Center and mm -hmm. the um, Pentagon. So. That uh, was something that, you know, I had uh, that history with Kathy Kelly. And yeah. then I will also mention that um, I did a, um, a tour of um, the Palestinian West Bank and um, Egypt and Jordan, uh, a theater tour, actually, because I'm a theater performer as well. And Kathy Kelly helped me to organize the section of the tour that was for Iraqi refugees in Jordan. So um, awesome. I was I was especially happy to hear that they had given her that award. 
Um, and I also want to talk about Omar Barghouti, who sure. is the founder of the Palestinian boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement. And um, that was uh, especially, um, that's, a, that's, that's really important for people to know about who are listening, which is that um, that was modeled on the South African um, boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement mm-hmm. to uh, protest against apartheid in South Africa and really kind of led to the official apartheid system being brought down. And so the Palestinians, and specifically Omar Barghouti, thought, well, we can implement a similar strategy against apartheid Israel. Excellent. So, Excellent. Right. So getting people all over the world to boycott um, Israeli products, especially those produced in the Israeli occupied Palestinian West Bank, um, to uh, boycott coming and making public appearances in Israel. Um, so, you know, pressure campaigns on um, artists, you know, musicians and uh, political figures, you know, don't go to Israel and speak there or perform there because that is giving legitimacy to uh, Israel, the illegal occupier of Palestine, um, and pressuring governments to put sanctions on Israel. Um, So that's been a very powerful, nonviolent way of resisting apartheid and colonialism and occupation um, that the Palestinians have implemented. And Omar Barghouti was the founder of that movement. So he also received the Gandhi Peace Award. So yeah, really, really amazing people. Tremendous. And I mentioned earlier when everyone, when anyone mentions Fannie Lou Hamer's name, my, my uh, I, I get excited, have a have a love emotion through my body. And similar with with Gandhi, when anything that's connected, when I see Gandhi's name, and I always like to remind people that Pakistan did not always exist. And uh, I also asked folks who killed Gandhi. So this uh, the, the, these 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 historical names, these historical and historical names, are so important. Uh, to kind of lift up in our consciousness on a really a 24-7, 365 basis. Um, Tremendous, tremendous. Uh, Laura, we have about uh, 10 more minutes, so again, we can kind of wind down and as things cross your mind about sharing, uh, you know, just when you talked in in the opening segments about uh, really turning turning swords into plowshares, you hear that that term, but it's, it's amazing that things phrases of 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 years ago still have, have residence metaphors of turning uh, swords into plowshares. It's just so, we, we, need, we need to strive for that, that, that to happen. Just respect what you're doing. How did, what, what, what's kept you on a, on a psych, psychological note, if you don't mind my sharing to our 5,000 million readers and you're, you're sharing your, 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 your traumas and your travails, what's, what's kept you passionate and engaged and and concerned, but not just concerned, but 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 putting your your body, mind, spirit into um, the, the, the possible reality of can we all get along? What, what's kept what's what's kept you stoked over these years? Other than um, mar- other than the marijuana and LSD, but you don't have to say that. Even if that's the case, <laughs> you, you, yeah. can, you can give a, you can give a hybrid and right. Uh, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I feel like, um, you know, I don't know, for me personally, uh, I always was very um, conscious of and troubled by um, inequality and injustice. And I just kind of never felt like 
I, I, I've always had this kind of like internal sense of like, this is an emergency, emergency. <laughs> like everything else has to stop <laughs> until code red. this code is red. resolved. You know, it's, it's, I've always wondered like, how can you not be in this constant state of my God, like how can anything else even matter mm -hmm. when there is so much injustice happening as as a daily status quo mm -hmm. um so you know it just was always something that was kind of like um and i don't know i i started to be conscious of that you know at a very young age um but i you know once you start kind of like paying attention to that then you can kind of see the roots of of things as they evolve or I should say devolve. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, you know, you look at the situation now and um, it's like, I think a lot of people now are aware that things are not going particularly well <laughs> in this society. And we're having this sort of like mass um, psychic breakdown in a lot of ways. Um, and, but, but people feel very kind of like um, powerless and they feel like they don't know in a lot of cases what happened you know how did how did we get here how did it end up uh with things being so bad and so i feel like anybody that really um has some ideas about that and has some ideas about how to get us out of this mess uh we've got to really come out now mm -hmm. and use that again it's that same thing like with Kali Akuno and Cooperation Jackson, right? What resources we have, we've got to pull them because we're mm -hmm. in a big mess right now. Mm -hmm. And we're in a mess on the communal level and we're in a mess on the on the bigger communal level, on the on the societal yeah. level. Yeah. So it's like now is, you know, especially the time to come out and really speak and really act because now is a time where people are actually realizing there's a really big problem here and we need answers. Mm -hmm. So if you have an idea of answers as to how we got there and answers to what we might be able to do, um, come out and speak, but not only speak, listen mm. um, and share, mm -hmm. right? I've got some ideas, but I don't know everything, obviously I can't know everything, but you know a lot of things and you can share your information and your ideas and we can cross pollinate ideas and we can come up with some solutions. Um, but I think there's a general sense of the people in power, A, don't know what they're doing, and B, have um, intentions that are very different to ours, motives mm. that are very different to ours on the grassroots level. So uh, now is especially the time to come out and really jump on that and build something new. My, my thoughts are going a little bit also, Laura, as you were speaking during this conversation in, in terms of Cooperation Jackson, um, I would say that most people have heard off and on, either in great detail or just incrementally, about the water crisis in Jackson. Oh, yeah. Talk, talk a little bit about that, because and I'll probably ask uh, Kelly tomorrow to kind of give us an update on how that has continued to, to happen and not be resolved expeditiously and fairly. Right. Yeah. So what happened with the water crisis, as I understand it now, of course, I am not a Jacksonian. Um, so I'm speaking about all of these things from afar. But uh, from what I understand, 
you know, the water crisis was uh, many years in the making. And um, according to Kali, goes all the way back, really, to the um, urban renewal movement of the 19, not even movement, but your own urban renewal policies of the 1950s and 60s, mm-hmm. where basically the um, government started uh, investing all this money in building up the suburbs. And you had this massive white flight evacuation out of the cities and uh, moving into the suburbs. And of course, this is where you get the whole, you know, redlining policies as well, where, um, you know, they, the white people were able to get the houses in the suburbs and the black people and other people of color were not. And so then the cities were left to crumble and Mm -hmm. uh, the, you know, capital investment, there was no investment in the cities and the cities were just like crumbling. And so you have a city like Jackson, but also this is the same thing with like Flint, Michigan Mm -hmm. and Newark and other cities where they've had water crises. Mm -hmm. Um, It's that same pattern. So in Jackson, um, you know, the situation was just deteriorating where they were not getting the funding. And of course, the state government also doesn't want to fund Jackson because it's very white, racist, reactionary, Republican. Um, So they didn't want to give funding to Jackson City to be able to fix this increasing water problem. And um, then um, about 10 years ago, um, a big corporation came, which was Siemens. And they said, well, we will give you a solution to your water crisis, um, and but, but it's going to cost you $90 million, which at that stage was the most expensive um, of any <laughs> uh, contract for a city to, to hire a private contractor to fix supposedly a problem. And so Siemens says, well, we're going to install these water meters, and uh, that will tell you what's going on with your water system. And not only will it um, help you with that, but it's going to pay for itself. And also it's going to make money um, because people will be uh, buying them. And then that money is going, you'll actually come out ahead. Not only will you make your $90 million back, but you will actually have more money, which you can then use to actually uh, fix the problem of the water. And so the city um, did that. And it turned out to be an absolute disaster. The water meters didn't work. Um, and then the, there were like all kinds of crazy things happening with the billing where, you know, a lot of people weren't even getting water bills. And then some people were getting like massively um, exaggerated water bills. And so they didn't pay them. And so the city just started going further and further and further into deficit. Mm. And uh, they ended up suing Siemens. And um, believe it or not, they won the lawsuit. Uh, But, you know, over the course of that 10 years of the deficit, what ended up happening was that by the time they got that lawsuit, they were so underwater financially, to use my pun here, they were so buried that um, all of that money got sucked up by, number one, uh, paying the lawyers. Lawyers took like a third of the money. And then they had all of these water bills that had been unpaid. So they had to compensate for that. And then on top of that, to come up with that $90 million in the first place, they had to sell off a lot of bonds. And so that money then went to pay the bonds. So by the time they were done with all of that, they had nothing. So then they still had this water crisis. Things had just gotten worse. 10 years of deterioration of crumbling infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, we have the climate change. 
And then the water, you know, the floods came and, you know, everything broke and Jackson was flooded and all the water was contaminated. And it was really bad because, um, you know, they knew like the, the, the mayor was saying, get out, you have to evacuate. Um, and uh, actually, I'm not sure if that was the mayor or the governor, um, but they were being told to evacuate and uh, they were, Jack, Cooperation Jackson kind of knew from previous experiences that um, the state government, they were not going to get them the aid again for the reasons that I mentioned before, right? Mm -hmm. um, so they said, well, you know, we have to take matters into our own hands to make sure that Jackson City residents have water. And the good thing was that because of this system that they've been building of this solidarity network, they yeah. had contacts in other communities, um, not, not only throughout the state of Mississippi, but regionally throughout the Gulf Coast. They yeah. put out a call to the entire Gulf Coast, all their allies, and they said, can you send us help? We need to get help immediately. And so all this, you know, there was help that came in. And so that was Kalia Kuno and Cooperation Jackson really at the heart of um, getting that water to people who needed it. That was one of the things I remember um, last fall, they were uh, fundraising for water pallets mm -hmm. so that they could treat the water and provide that. And so, of course, promoting Enduring Peace, you know, boosted that fundraiser. Um, but yeah, so that's basically what's been going on. And um the concern is that, you know, the ultimate uh, quote unquote solution that um, the uh, state government is going to have is basically um, privatization, right? So instead of actually giving funds to Jackson that it needs, they'll just say, oh, well, we'll bring in like these, you know, private contractors um, or and or I should say just more centralization, which has been happening uh, because they just passed, for example, a law saying um, that the state police were going to be handling things that normally would be handled by local police and local courts in Jackson. So again, you have the state government, very white, very Republican, uh, very reactionary. And Jackson City, on the other hand, um, you know, that's a massively black majority city. It's a very poor working class city. And, you know, the government, uh, you know, the mayor, the the system there is more representative of the people in Jackson than the state government is. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Laura, we have about three more minutes. I want to give you kind of the closing last word. And I really appreciate everything you've said during this conversation, but even just this last the last eight minutes of talking about the, the municipal, the state, the, the, the city, the financing, the corporations, people issues and uh, profits over people in terms of Jackson is just, I hope people have listened clearly about the, you hear this word intersectionality. It's not a neutral term. Uh, some people are uh, survive and others are are oppressed by it. The, the National Association, Association of Black Elected Officials are meeting in Jackson this, their annual conference in, in July. I hope to come down for that, get down there for that. Uh, Laura, we have about three more minutes, kind of share the last uh, a few thoughts. Again, that we're urging everybody to come out tomorrow, uh, Saturday, May 13th in the Q House here in New Haven on Dixwell Avenue at 2 p.m. and Kelly Akuno is gonna receive the Gandhi Peace Award of 2023. I think Michael Mills, our, our local performing artist is gonna be performing and you'll have food. Uh, so it'll be a, a, not only a, a fun event and not only a, a party with a purpose, but yeah, just, just kind of come and get re-energized, re revamped, re-strategized, uh, re-bolstered for, uh, for living on this planet in a, in, in a peaceful way. 
Um, Laura, let, let's any, anything that kind of cross cross in your mind. Again, I'm I'm I'm, I'm girding girding up my my loins to get there so I can rearrange my schedule. I don't I don't live that far from the Q house, so I don't have a, a logistical problem uh, other than being able to clone myself. But we'll work on that work on that a little later. I can totally relate to that. I'm always saying that too. Oh, I need to clone myself. I need to be in 15 different places at once. Um, yeah, I would say um, the last note I want to leave this on is basically just um, for people to be aware that this, uh, what is going on in Cooperation Jackson and the Jackson Cush plan and um, something else that uh, they've created, which is the People's Network for Land and Liberation. Mm. So these are bigger networks of um, this idea of, you know, the change on the local level, the grassroots communal organizing and taking control, communities taking control of their own reality of their own circumstances. Um, and then, you know, a network of these communities and really um, building up participatory democracy through these people's assemblies of um, these communities making the decisions that affect the local reality, um, you know, individually, but then, you know, having these wider assemblies to make these bigger decisions collectively. And when yes. I say that, I don't mean representative democracy, right? I don't mean, you know, somebody that uh, represents the community making decisions on their behalf, um, but rather the communities themselves discussing things, hashing through things, and then coming to a decision. And then that's that community's decision individually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so this is a part of a wider movement, um, which has like different names. Some people call it the communalist movement. Some people call it the uh, libertarian municipalist or democratic municipalist movement. Um, there's a, another very important uh, radical experiment in implementing these ideas um, in real terms in um, with the Kurdish population mm -hmm. in uh, Rojava, in northeastern Syria, um, but also in you know other parts of what was originally Kurdistan that is now occupied by multiple countries. Um, there's the Zapatista movement um, in Chiapas, Mexico. There's the I don't know if I'm pronouncing this the right way. The Sarvadaya movement in Sri Lanka, um, and there's also other cooperations uh, throughout. Um, what we call the U.S., U.S. occupied mm -hmm. Turtle Island, right? So there's Cooperation Tulsa, there's Cooperation Denton, there's Cooperation mm -hmm. Humboldt, there's Cooperation Vermont, mm -hmm. um, there's, uh, you know, there's the people, there's the Olympia Assembly in Washington State, there's, um, there's a People's Assembly in Detroit, there's a lot of different, and there's also a network called Symbiosis uh, Revolution, and that is um, a network of all of these uh, communal movements throughout the uh, North America. So there's going to be an event actually taking place this summer in July. I think it's the 7th through the 13th um, in Detroit. And Kalia Kuno is going to be one of the main organizers of this event. And it's going to be speaking about building this sort of movement, teaching people how to do that. They had one last summer in Vermont, which I attended. And so there's going to be another one this summer. And there's going to be many more after that. So this is really a movement that people can get involved with on a wider level. July 7th through when again? I think it's the 7th through the 13th. In Detroit, and we, we have to wrap up. And Laura, I hope to see you tomorrow. Harry, thank you so much. Uh, it's, it's been a pleasure. Please, folks, come out tomorrow, Saturday, May 13th, 2 o'clock, the Q House. See Laura, see...
me, me Kali Akuno and yeah. other friends As I got another rhyme, another rhythm for y'all to listen I'm never quitting on my mission, I'ma roll with what I'm giving Got some ambition, this new edition, filling positions Looking at the void in myself and feeling what's missing Better watch the way you're going, better go in the right direction In the moment you stressing, but you gon' be counting blessings And I know that for certain, keep on working, open curtains Haters swerving, cause they ain't ready for your final version I'm never gonna give up, give up Fall down, I just gotta get up, get up, yeah Cause this is my road, let's camera action, I'm ready to go I'm never gonna give up, give up, fall down, I just gotta get up, get up